When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do you know what generally gets me through writing the questions, recording, editing, etc., 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 the podcast? Coffee. And there's coffee, and then there's Ironside Coffee. Ironside is the call sign of the Armoured Corps. And when you call in the armour, you mean business. Ironside Coffee is your armour against the busiest day, the most hectic of schedules and the pressures of life. Think of them when you need caffeine fire support. Check out the website and use the code WARRIOR to save a further 10% off the already amazing prices. Ironside Coffee, get yourself some. This week's episode is brought to you by Aussie Strength. A veteran-owned and operated business, they've been a sponsor of the Warrior U podcast from the very beginning. If you use a discount code WARRIOR10, you'll receive 10% off the purchase price. Break, break, break. Bulldog 7, this is Blue 1. Troops in contact. Coordinates to follow. Hey there, welcome to Warrior U. Join retired Special Forces Officer Bram Connolly as he explores resilience, mental toughness, high-performing habits and other aspects that are required to develop a warrior mindset. Warrior U, it's the performance edge. I want to tell you about a competition that I'm running. I have two tickets to attend the Echelon Front Muster with me in December this year. It's the 4th and 5th of December 2019 and it's being held in Sydney. The event has Jocko Willink and his team from Echelon Front teaching combat leadership techniques and how to apply these to business and life. The tickets are valued at $3,700 Australian dollars. You'll have to pay your own travel and accommodation, but I think that's fairly reasonable. To be in the running for the tickets, you need to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and then email me that you've left a review at bram at warrioru.com.au. In October, we'll go through all the reviews since the start of May and put everyone's name in the draw to win. It's that easy. The tickets will be drawn on October 31st. If you'd like to buy a ticket in advance to join me at a table, then jump on the Echelon Front website and take advantage of their discounts. That's echelonfront.com, all one word. Okay, let's get into the show. You're Selvine. You probably think it's songy. Oh, they should do a punk version. Probably is one out there, alright. You're Selvine. You probably think this song is about you. You're Selvine. You're Selvine. You probably think this song is about you, don't you? Alright, you're going to have to stop shortly. Don't. Okay, today's a new intro to the Warrior You podcast. Um, Do you want people to listen? Right. You're with... 
You're with Bram Connolly and Reese Dewar, OAM. Oh, God. OAM, which is OAM, which is an acronym for the patron saint of common sense. Pleased to be here with you. Hello, my friend. Yeah, very happy to be here with you, Bram. I've pressed record. Lovely. I've got a singing intro. God, and no the sun, the sun is gently rising over the North Queensland outback. Yeah, it's golden. It's a beautiful morning. Doesn't suck to be us. Doesn't um, suck to be us. Now, we've we've talked about a lot of things over the years. Um, some of the subjects are about leadership transition. Today, we're going to have a little bit of a change of pace, and we're going to have a reminisce. Yeah, nice. I like it. We're Am gonna, I going to cry? Um, no. Oh, cool. We're going to talk about the Land Command Battle School Tully. Nice. Alrighty. Fond memories. And we have just lost every single one of the Infantry Battalion listeners. <laughs> oh, fuck that. <laughs> one and two RAR, mate. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. As Jocko says, back in the day. Um, which I've, then ta- I've now taken as my own because I think it's pretty funny. Um, anyway, back in the day... We, we all had to go through Tully. And I've heard it said before that if you can fight in the jungle, you can fight anywhere. I actually believe that. Yeah, I do. I 100% do. So my initiation, as you'd probably call it, into the Land Command Battle School Tully, or the Jungle Warfare Centre, as it was uh, referred to, was in, uh, I'm going to show you my age here, 1989. Yeah, I was there first time in 2014. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, sorry, 1991. <laughs> uh, so 1989, and uh, I was quite fortunate because I was from the Southern Battalion. I wasn't a North Battalion boy, so it was, you know, the 1 and 2 RAR were very uh, profound in going up to Tully. And uh, 3rd Battalion, we never used to get up there that much. Yeah, we spent a lot of time up there in the early 90s. Um, I got into the Infantry Battalion, didn't have any leave, and so... Sent you to Tully. (laughs) So they sent me to Tully with a couple of great mates. Actually, Rob Langdon and I were there at the same time, which is where Rob and I first met. Yeah, yeah, and we were uh, the Infantry Enemy. 10 IRC? Is that it? No, we were... Was it the IRC back in the day? uh, they might, they called it no we Something were just else. we were just the enemy platoon yeah but yeah but the the thing about that for me was I was straight out of IETs I was you know not a good soldier then by the time I came out of Tully I was above average to very good and and the reason for that is it teaches you things the jungle well the jungle teaches you things but the the instructors that we had up there were world-class mentors and if you've got if you don't have any infantry battalions coming through there at the time and you're setting up for them for the following year you've got access to all these instructors who were back then mostly vietnam veterans, veterans yeah they were you know and you know one thing that i you know why i think we call our, ourselves professional soldiers in the early days and i think um tully for me was that defining moment that I was, you know, I learnt the skills of an infantryman very well. Yeah. Um, especially small team tactics, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and they were the core fundamental things like ambushing, uh, tracking, uh, patrolling. They were the, you know, the core fundamentals of being an infantryman, right? Yeah, I'm the same, mate. And I mean, we when we first got there, it was about 
just the basics of moving in the jungle, even just walking in the jungle, you know, you had to be taught, and this is where I learned to be a Ford Scout, you know, you had to be taught how to use secateurs, you had to be taught when it was okay to use a machete. Everything would, every plant would bite you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've yeah. actually got that the right way around, yeah. even every though it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. Every plant would bite oh, you, give me bush, mate. and every insect will sting you. <laughs> You can easily flip that and say that every plant will sting you and every animal and insect will bite you. Yeah, you know, yeah. And then you've got the water, you know, the rain and your own sweat to contend and with. Rain and yeah, the environment. Right. Now, okay, top tips. First and foremost, it's it's Oh, I said this the other day, didn't I, mate? Um, in in the jungle, every single person is fighting their own little war. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, because the envi- the environment is harsh. There's no other way of explaining it. It's probably one of the harshest environments I've ever operated in. Yeah. Uh, in training and on operations. Um, funny story yeah. about you know going into the future from Tully. Um, I think one of the things that set us up really well in Timor, mate, yeah. was that we'd actually been through Tully. Yeah. And we were operating pretty heavily within the reconnaissance teams. In Lantana, in Lantana which is as thick as you know, jungle. On the border and the yeah. thick jungle. So, yeah, put us in pretty good stead there. Yeah, and so for my mind as a, as a section commander in Tully, you, you have this issue where you need that energy transference that I keep talking about, but it's so hard because you're drained. Everything's draining you. And, and you, you try not to eat hot food if you can help it because the smell just bloody sticks around and, and any enemy can... can and I, I used it, to yeah, do that. I used it, to find people through the smells. It, isn't it amazing, like, those little things that you learn? And this is why, oh, like my default setting is if you want to learn how to be a soldier, you go to the jungle, you know, because the jungle will expose you um, to those mental things and that lessons. need to be uncovered. yeah. yeah that you have to deal with on a daily basis, you know. And yeah. not, not to mention, I mean, when when I first went to Tully in 89, I went up there for a tracking course. You know, it was my first scout tracking course. Mm. And you were right, the instructors there were all ex-Vietnam veterans. Except Russ. But, <laughs> but you know what? Mod. I've got to thank Russ Modistack. I don't know where he is these days. I'm, I'm sure he listens to the Warrior U podcast. He's probably still at uh, Cowley Beach, mate. If he doesn't, he's the only Australian that doesn't listen to it. Um... <laughs> So, Russ Modistack taught me, he, he taught me about booby traps. Now, that, that actually came back for me when we were in Afghanistan the second time around, when I was a platoon commander, because the Taliban were good, but they weren't as good as Russ Modistack. No, <laughs> that, guy could, yep. that guy could hide shit in, yeah, he was amazing. And tell the story about Russ, mate. Yeah, so um, this this was in 89, you know, and it was my first exposure to the mod, as they used to call him, and um, he was a sergeant instructor at Land Command Battle School Tully. Every soldier that went up there, you know, took a lot of advice and inspiration from him, and he wasn't, I wouldn't say he was the most inspirational guy in the world, no. but he had a knowledge base that was awesome. And he was, and he was pleasant. And he was pleasant, you know. Which in the jungle, voice, which in the jungle, you quite like. Yeah. <laughs> he turned yeah. to that. You know, but he was the guy. He was tough, and if you didn't do your job right or you didn't understand something, he was probably the first one to lay the hammer on you. But anyway, we're on a, the track, a scout tracking course, and the scout tracking course back in those days, not only were we uh, what we call pace trackers or visual trackers, 
um, we had to le- learn the proper scouting techniques. And I don't even know if we still do this today, but the proper scouting sure, techniques. Sure yeah, yeah I hope so. But um, proper scouting techniques. We're working in that that small team of a one and uh, number one, number two scout, right? And then we transitioned over into being a tracking team. Yeah. So on a tracking team. You've got a um, oh, minimum of five, you know, it can be a nine-man team, but what you actually do is not only do you have your number one and number two scout, you also have your satellite positions, which go out um, to your 10 o'clock and your 2 o'clock to uh, push forward of track, right? So just a Cover bit you. of that. So anyway, we were, uh, we were on sign one day up in Tully, and we didn't know where the mod was. So we're just uh, following sign that um, our quarry had left. I came across a uh, instructor, if I can uh, explain this right, was sitting in the jungle in a squat position with his DS pole between his legs looking at us coming towards him. Yeah, yeah, I've got it. In a full in a full Asian type squat. Squat position. Not not trying to be culturally insensitive, but no, you've all seen not how at all. you've seen how Asians have that flexibility and can just yeah. sit there on I, their I'd heels. I'd love to be able to do a squat like that today. But <laughs> so anyway, we're patrolling along and tracking is very slow because you're looking for sign, obviously. And when I got to the Sarge, I actually said to him, Are you alright, sir? And he turned around and he went, This is the way they sit. Staring off into the jungle at the time. And I went this is the way who sits, Sarge? And he goes, the VC. This is how they used to sit. <laughs> That's right. This is how they used to sit. The VC. Yeah. And I'm like, the VC? He goes, yeah, they could sit like this for days. Jesus. And as a junior soldier Chilling. hearing that, Chilling. I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> so here we are, Blatali. You know, the mod's in there giving this story about the Viet Cong. Everyone's um, slowly gathering around to yeah, listen. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we're like, wow, you know, this dude, you know, he's done yeah. this Vietnam and all that. Yeah. It wasn't until later, and there's no dig here whatsoever. Utmost respect for this man, one of the yeah. most professional soldiers I've ever seen, yeah. if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, and, and was in, well, he, he was, has a direct influence in the soldier I became. Yeah. Okay. Same. Anyway, later on, after we passed uh, tracking course and all that type of stuff, we're in the uh, Tully Hilton, we're having a couple of beers, and I actually started talking to the mod openly because he was a different guy after the course yeah. finished. And uh, I just said, oh, you know, oh, Sarge, you know, we, you in Vietnam. And he goes, no, I wasn't in Vietnam. And I said, oh, I thought you were in Vietnam. He goes, no, nah, I missed out by a bloody week. <laughs> <laughs> can, you imagine being, can you imagine being an instructor up there at that time? You know, and having not gone to Vietnam like the other instructors, that would have been tough for him, actually. Now yeah, I think of it. Yeah, look, and there was guys up there. Um, one of the other influences. Oh, hang on! Before we, I know who I know who you're going to talk about. Before we get onto that, let me just say that story you told. Right, the the mod must have been doing that to all of the companies because H tells a similar yeah. story, except H's personality is a bit different, right? So when when the mod goes, this is how they sit, man. This is how the VC sit. H goes. Or did you see him do that, did you? And he goes, no. And he goes, were you in Vietnam? And he goes, no. <laughs> and H tells a story like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what do you mean you weren't in yeah. yeah, But don't get, me, don't get me wrong, H and H, uh, you know, we, we all did the tracking course up there as well from yeah. Battalion. And um, I was up there with a guy, uh, Mark Bingley, um, rest in peace. He, yeah, he, he was, yeah. Um, 
fuck man, best soldier I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, I've been around. Mark Bingley was the best soldier I've ever seen in my life. And by all accounts, he was one of the best helicopter pilots around as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, sure. But he topped everything I ever did with him. And, as, and I wanted to hate him. <laughs> but I couldn't because he's such a nice bloke and he taught me a lot actually bingers over the years from from you know um, tracking all the way through to our sniper course and recon and stuff like that uh, we were on all those courses together but bingers H myself Platts you know you I mean these are some reasonably big names in the military back in the 90s and 2000s and, and mod trained us all yeah <laughs> yeah he did yeah. you know and um, you know the Another influencer I had throughout my career, or especially in Tully, was a uh, warrant officer named uh, Ian Rasmussen. Oh, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and he was a Vietnam veteran and um, from uh, Perth. Yeah. Yeah, he was Perth, so he was um, um, part, part of the fandoms of the jungle, I believe, back in yeah. Back in the day. Back in the day. I mean, that's but, that's um, that's a different back in the day. That's like yeah, that is that's back yeah, in the like, day. And you know, he yeah. was um, he was absolutely awesome as yeah. well. You know, and um, and then there was so um, you had you had quality there. Then there was ba- back in the day. Then there was Arch Foxley. Yes. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay, so let me paint the picture here about Arch Foxley. Oh, six foot something, a string bean, in his sixties, a shock of grey hair. Um, I think he was an he was Irish Australian, longer SAS. Uh, he was a captain at the time that we we would have gone through Tully, and he had his claim to fame, or not his claim, but he, the actual claim to fame, is the longest patrol in Vietnam. Yeah. And um, rumor has it, was that the three and I'm or like yeah, it was it was a long time. Yeah. Rumour has it, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, and, and I'm just saying the rumour, I'm not saying it's substantiated, but the rumour getting around the unit back in the day was that, um, yeah, he there was there was some sort of uh, information um, being leaked out of either Nui Dat or somewhere like that, where the, where the SAS were at the time, and it was thought that perhaps, perhaps he had something to do with it because of his Irish background and possible links to the IRA. And so, so they left his. They kept, they kept extending his patrol out there while they were investigating it. Um, clearly, it wasn't because he's a friggin' legend. Yeah. And that, it, it, and it, that is a rumor. It might not even be anything. So don't sue me, anyone. It might not even. It might not even be. It might not even. It might just be diggers talking one, shit on the piss one, one night. One of the myths of legend, mate. Yeah, it one might one just of the myths of legend. Yeah, it was probably Squeaker talking shit on the piss one night, and then I'm and then and then I've heard it and want, want Squeaker to like me, so I've told everyone in the bloody yeah. unit. Um, so yeah, so there was yeah. really you know really uh, really good mentorship, really good leadership at that time and and look the land command battle school it wasn't a big school at all and it was a jungle school right so yeah. mm. it took a certain individual to get up there and i i real i didn't realize that until later on in my career yeah. um you know you were it was the first time mm. oh no it was, well, was it the first time yeah it probably was that um i knew about a selection process yeah you know because it was a, a tight-knit t- in uh jungle type accommodation yeah. on a stretcher yeah. with a mozzie net over the top. The Tully Hilton hasn't changed. 
I took some Emiratis there um, with my job when I was over in the UAE. I brought some Emiratis back and we went to the Lankman Battle School and I took them up to the jungle. And you can imagine Emiratis coming from the UAE going into Tully. They were like, they were just amazed at it, you know. And we had them sleeping on stretches down in the Tully Hilton. And it, and it's like the Tully gods went, welcome back, Bram. Here's, here's the rain. Boosh! You know what I mean? Yeah. And these Emiratis looked at me like, oh, my God. And, and, what and can you set your watch by? The rain. And the, rain. And the and the, my boss at the time, you know, blessed him, you know, and started praying. Like he's, you know... Good. <laughs> yeah, look on that on that bit about the accommodation. That it was quite funny because while I was up there at one time, uh, there was a, a movie crew came up there and they were filming Sniper. Yeah, I think you were out in the field while I was enemy up there. I was SUT. I was SUT. Yes. So um, the my mate Trav. That's that's it. That's all I can say about him because he's he's doing another job that I can't talk about. Old Trav. But um, yeah, he he got a photo with Tom Berenger and got him to sign his um, some baseball cap that was in a movie that Tom was big in back in the day. Yeah. But yeah, they were up there, and I think there's actually a part in it where there's a there's a shot of Queensland Rail Train going past, yeah, is, which is yeah. done somewhere but, else. But and, they've even got the, the Hilton in there, right? Over. They but do. The funny thing about it was, mm. it um, at the start of the movie. Mm. But they're in the booze arm, but the, the Tully Hilton itself, the accommodation yeah. block, they actually did it up yeah. for you know for the movie, and it looks quite good. Yeah. But when we were there as instructors, it, it was not that good, I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. But how amazing is the accommodation after two weeks in the jungle? And, you know, Warry George, yeah. like he's, he's set that. Like, that's deliberate. That's yeah. so that you realise that... Mandalar. You, know, you realise... That's a luxury. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that's what it was set up to. It was that, minimalistic, right? Yeah, that piece of iron and those bits of wood, Yeah, that's a luxury for you, my yeah, friend. Can you recite George's... Um, uh, mate, I wish I could. I know what you're about to say. <laughs> so they still do it. They still yeah, do they it. Do, yeah. When they get off the buses, the, new, the, the company that's going up there, get off the bus, they put all their kit on, and then, um, and then they start walking up the side of these tracks and they're well-worn tracks and we've all done it i've been there so as you're walking up there if you're listening to this just remember we've been up there too in fact i led our company up there bravo company um in 93 i think at the end of 93 started 94 anyway harder than stand 11 at canungra mate i think so and um you know as you're walking up heartbreak you get to a false crest yep and uh and you see a vb sign (laughs) Was it a VB or Forex? I think it's Forex. Um, I think I think that's still there. But de- but next to the next to the Hilton is a sign. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. That says. Um, you know, something along the lines of the contract to serve your country didn't didn't entail the everyday luxuries um, that society has. On the contrary, it's uh, it's about hardship. You know, follow on, you know, so yeah, on and so forth. Yeah, I can't sure. recite we'll, it exactly. We'll actually have to um, um, bloody do a bit more. Well, we'll research that again. And so, because of that, 
because of that contract that's there, you know, guys see that. And I remember, yeah, I remember, you know, your chest comes out a little bit more and you're like, you know, damn straight. I'm not, I'm not a civvy. I'm, I'm here for another reason. I'm here to be uncomfortable and I need to... And Jordan Peterson talks about this these days. You know, that famous psychologist talks about, you know, life is a struggle and, and that is what the secret of life is. And George Mansford worked that out. Like, he knew that. He knew that young soldiers, if they knew that they're doing a struggle for a reason, that they would be, like, more effective maybe or or they'd be inspired. Um, or perhaps he didn't know that, although heard about him from someone who knows him very well. I think he was a very, sm- a very smart intellectual and also someone who read a lot. And I think he understood the psychology of the soldier. Um, I think that was a real... A real lesson there in, in in motivation, but also in people understanding the reason they're there. You know, the jungle is against you. The instructors are here to help you get through it, and there's a sense of achievement in getting through a couple of weeks in the jungle that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, look, and I've seen it. You know, later on, uh, I was you know fortunate enough to be invited back as an instructor, and funnily enough, that was the first time me and H hooked up. So H was um, a uh, sergeant instructor in Tully, and as I was, and back in those days, you used to do like a three-month secondment Mm. to Tully before you became permanent staff, and that was one of those things where they tracked, uh, checked to make sure you, you know, you were a good fit because it was a very small team, and that's what I I suppose people didn't understand. It's you know, it's it's two-man teams working to run a course. And there's probably six teams in that whole organisation in Tully, you know, and you live in close proximity to each other, you know. Mm. Um, you got so, to you got to tell, like, one of the things that um, people wouldn't understand who aren't in the army is when you do an attack in Tully. The difference between doing an attack in Tully, like training to do an attack in Tully, is that a 150 metre frontage. And, and a depth of 60 or 70 metres might take you an hour. Yeah, 100%. And the other thing is that, you know, back then, we used to do a lot of battle inoculation, right? Mm. So, you know, battle inoculation is having live fire uh, go over your head. It's explosions on your flanks. It's, yeah, it's all those things to simulate battle, right? Yeah, and someone walking around hitting you. With, yeah, a, with a with a DS with a down. DS stick, which Moddy Stack used to do a lot, and throwing those remember those little grenades, those sort yeah, of the old flashbangs, the old, mate, yeah, the little yeah, strike the striker ones. Yep. Um, but you know, and also it's about the individual. Like I, I carried a gun on one. I think Squeaker was the yeah Squeaker was because oh, I'd moved up to being two IC, and Squeaker was a section commander, and that's Steve McCaig, my our good mate, fucking legend. He was the section commander, and we did a, an attack. And I had the gun, and you know, could I get the gun up there? No, I couldn't get the gun up there because Bram is stuck in wait a while with his spare barrel, <laughs> with his spare oh, barrel around his throat. Isn't that, a, isn't that an experience? And everyone goes through it who goes to Tully, is you know, the vine called Wait a While and the Lantana vines. Yeah, and and Gimpy. And the Gimpy. Bush, I, yeah. I was pretty fortunate to only get Gimpy a few times, but. Um, well, I did hear a story about. Um, go on. Marine Corps guys. No, urban myth. Urban myth, you reckon? Oh, everyone's heard this story. Yeah, I know. Wiped I his ass. Wiped his wiped ass, ass with Gimpy. With, uh, ass with the Gimpy bush. Yeah. Okay. You know, and there was also the uh, one of a um, 
<laughs> always seems to be US soldiers, so, you know. Um, a US soldier died in Tully. What? When he hopped into his sleeping bag and there just happened to be one of our friendly snakes. No, that's not true, is it? No, it's not true. No. I later found out it wasn't true, but those were some of the uh, the myths of uh, the legend that is Tully, I suppose. Dude, I had I had a um, scorpion in my sleeping bag in in Somalia, yeah. which I knew there was something not quite right because my sleeping bag was moving. <laughs> and I was like, "What on earth is that?" Freaking big scorpion. And I, dude, I I shook my sleeping bag, and I was because I was I was nineteen, so I hadn't even really thought about rolling my sleeping bag up because I didn't listen to good advice. So I shook my sleeping bag, and this fucking crayfish came out of it. Like this thing was the size of a. If you'd caught it, if you'd caught it off South Australia, you would have boiled it up and fed your family with it. It was massive. Um, we digress. That was the desert. That wasn't the jungle. But 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 having said that, I was a Ford Scout in Somalia. Yeah. And the time that I spent in Tully as a Scout absolutely taught me. You know it well. You know what? I developed a thick a sixth sense. I think because I, I knew when. I just knew where to look at the right time. So all I can put it down to, the hairs in the back of your neck go up. You know, you look in the right direction. Yeah, and even though it was a completely different environment, that heightened situational awareness is developed in the jungle, I think. Yeah, you, look, you see things differently, and that's what I always say. And, um, you know, I never um, forgot those things that I was taught in Tully about observation or, um, you know, tracking colour change, you know, um, pace... Um, transfer all those things and when when you're in an environment you pick those things up really yeah quick. and and also the individual preparation of equipment so oh, yeah. rolling your yep. socks up waterproofing them actually Everything. you know the thing that the, the lesson that sticks with me the most and in recent when i went to the down to fourth battalion and was a section commander down there i could tell guys who were from from southern units back in the yep. day because um you know i would get out of wet clothes under my hoochie and get into either either just sleep in sleep in dry cams or sleep in my jocks there's a picture for you just just those simple and then but mate then i would get out to go on picket and put my wet clothes on not dry ones because i knew if you're out on picket and it rains now you're screwed yeah and that's a mindset right that that takes a mindset to be able to do that oh it's other mental people, toughness there's no yeah, doubt and other people or you know other soldiers may take the easy road because they're fatigued and they're getting tired slippery slope uh, and we'll just go oh no I can't be bothered doing that because it takes too much energy slippery slope my friend so one of, just talking about that very point when I was an in, when I was an instructor at Tully were you an instructor um, in Tully I was an instructor at Tully I've I written should, a couple of books I might write a book about that you should um, what, uh, what we prided ourselves on and yeah. I'm pretty sure that every uh, Tully and instructor will tell you this is we prided ourselves on not only being exceptional instructors but um being dry hey look at this on the right oh i wonder who those guys G'day, are guys um, a couple of uh yeah, the, S- hitters, the hitters are in uh, townsville if anyone wants to know a couple of sps <laughs> just went past uh, on the right hand side looking very discreet <laughs> with one car between them yeah right i say and it was one of those things that really when we were running the SUTs, and the SUTs is a subunit training package that was used to be run out of Tully for uh, infantry platoons. Every morning, you know, us as DS would rock up in our dry cams, and we're in the field. We're in the field with everyone else, you know, we're tromping around the same bloody 
uh, water up to your ankle and sometimes higher through the jungle. There are no dry spots, but we are dry, you know. Because that shows a degree of professionalism. Exactly right, you know. And everyone else is ringing wet in the platoon and all that type of stuff. So it was one of those things we used to pride ourselves on. But my last stint in Tully... Uh, As an instructor, when I uh, moved out of there and went down to the 4th Battalion Commando, Tully let me know who I was. What I mean by that was I was invited there to be an instructor and now I was leaving it and it basically said, no worries, here's your parting gift and I absolutely got soaked. (laughs) (laughs) You deserve it. Hardest Hardest thing I did in Tully was also the most rewarding which was um a stretcher carry from earl's court back in the oh. day to where you start the Do you remember that bunker at earl's court i remember it well yeah well uh sprucey blew that up is that right yeah <laughs> um yeah so we did a stretcher carry from there back and squeaker was the section commander i was at 2ic uh we had a whole heap of misfits i can't remember any of you so uh sorry um, made a lasting impression on me clearly and we too harsh probably a little bit much oh look I, you know I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't my normal section let's put it that way um, because it was like a, a, a mix up of guys who were left at the end of the two weeks so your expectations were lower for your personnel uh, I think no. their expectations of well, me was probably their expectations of me was probably just as justified um, <laughs> because we were all a mess you know, yeah, we did this stretcher carry, and actually, I vaguely remember who was on the stretcher. Thanks, you portly little bugger. So we carried him a long way, and what started with six of us ended up being four of us in the end. There was no one to change out with, and it became a pissing contest between Squeak and I. And if you've ever gotten into a pissing contest with a, a young, fit Steve McCaig, that yeah. generally doesn't end well for you. Yeah. Um, Good lad, old Squeak. <laughs> So we, and we pushed and pushed and pushed this bloody section. I think that's where I met Squeak actually. Yeah, yeah. And then we did, um, then we did the obstacle course after that. But, you know, that wouldn't have been pretty. That would have been just some dudes walking around the obstacle course trying to survive because we were done. And then you finish that and you have a barbecue up at the Hilton and drink a few beers and then you're done. And I think that was one of the the last things I did in the unit before I went down to 4 Yeah. And I, and I do think our section got the fastest time too for that out of the company for that particular yeah. stretcher carry, and that would have just been squeaking eye out the front, dragging these other guys along. Oh my god! Yeah, look, you know, Tully was. It's twenty k. What? Yeah, it's no, it was twenty k yeah. stretcher carry, mate. Yeah. That took us hour, like four hours or something. Yeah, no, it was it was fun. Mm. So you know, just everything that, um, and this is what another thing I liked about Tully when I was there as an instructor or beforehand was. We had to go through the subunit training packages prior to the subunits because every instructor had to go through, um, you know, what we were going to teach. Mm. So we knew what the, you know, the, the problems we were going to face were yeah. before the, the um, crews came in, you know. Mm. And look, Tully was a, a great medium for me. I, at that time, you know, I was, I, I, I was a professional soldier and that's what I wanted to be that's what I wanted to do and I wanted to put myself in one of the harshest environments to learn I tell you what skill set they, they used to run the ambush course up there yeah, yeah bloody hell course. mate I, I was I played enemy for that and I don't know if they still do it but 
That was the best course for officers to learn how to be leaders and also the mechanics of not just an ambush but anything. Yeah. And understanding yeah. the mechanics of anything in the army because it all comes down to planning, preparation, setting everything up, having a fallback option. Yeah. And then being able to make decisions on the fly as well. Mate, I'd love to know, you know, in today's army, and maybe there's a, a, a listener out there that can send us a message, but um, I'd love to know if they still teach relief in place ambushing. Yeah, right. You know, because one of the things that on the ambush course, we used to do that, relief in place ambush. And Did you guys do any ambushes in Afghanistan? I did. No. I, no, I, I did. We did an ambush there. I won't go into the details of it, but we, we did a proper, not, not ambush, a proper ambush with a with a you know, with a, a come on maybe, with a come on for the enemy and everything. Um, highly effective, and and I believe uh, and a lot of the mechanics of that ambush came directly from my experiences working in Tully for the way that we ran it by having that sort of admin area at the back and then a covered route into the ambush site. We set up the ambush, have all the guns on on traverse and have them locked in place yeah. and you know, had, had a killing had a killing ground guns facing out until until ambush is set and then they then they face in I'm hoping it's not a lost art because because Australians are bloody good at it we're the best <laughs> mate yeah I still, you know, yeah. still I, I still think we are the best you know every uh, coalition force I've worked work with have you know not really shown us anything new and um, and they're good as well but when it comes to tactics techniques and procedures especially in that skill set we're still the best at it. Yeah, and I think that comes down to when you when you're in the jungle, taking your time, personal discipline, right? It's mate, individual what, yeah. personal discipline. What about discipline. distance to travel in the jungle, mate? You know, you're looking mm. max probably in thick jungle, um, secondary jungle. You're looking probably 500 meters. Depends on the size of the unit, but I mean, we we had a up in Coombalumba, we had um, a company movement through the jungle. And I think we were averaging less than a kilometre a day. Oh, you would have, yeah. I mean, and, tell and me we never used to that's torturous. travel that far, mate. That's I've got to torturous say. That's torturous because like, you're, in, you're almost always in single file. Coombalumba is a little bit different. It's a little bit more open. But you very rarely, very rarely you're in open file in the jungle where you've got people going, because it's just too easy to have a blue on blue for starters. And, you know, and things like comms court. Yeah. Like yeah. people forget that... And we never used it in Afghanistan. There's a couple of times I was walking around a track plane going, and it's pitch dark, and I'm like, Jesus, I wish we had some comms cord. <laughs> you know? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bloody perimeter and never being able to come back and finding them next morning. There's that a skill. was always fun. There's a skill I forgot we had was comms yeah. cord, and we were in the green belt at night. But, um, yeah, probably not so much of a need for it in Afghanistan, but it's still a skill that you need to remember, you know, to be able to set up. Yeah, well, you know, all the principles are the same, aren't they? And God, I had some Muppet 2IC once who used to put the... He used to wrap the comms around the other side of the tree, if that makes any sense, <laughs> instead of having... So, On the inside. So you're following it, you hit the tree, your hand moves off, and then you're looking for the comms cord in the black... <laughs> and then and now you're grabbing a piece of vine. I'm laughing because we've all experienced that. <laughs> now, you're grabbing, now you're grabbing a piece of vine and you're walking off... Somewhere, yeah, somewhere, and you don't know where that is. Yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, the comms call. But look, you know, Tully taught a lot of good basic soldier skills, and that's why I always go back to it. You know, and you know, in my experience, um, you know, the fundamentals is what what you go back on. Yeah, you know, um, 
and that's where I learnt the fundamentals of soldiering. That's where I learnt the fundamentals of attack, ambushing, mm. how to track, how to be a scout, mm. how to be a rifleman. Yeah. If I'm honest. Yeah. No, I agree. Time spent in Tully is time sort of wasted. <laughs> like it. It's like reconnaissance. Yeah. yeah. You know, even to the point I remember I was embedded into, you know, in the special forces and all that type of stuff. I remember talking to one of my commanders, or not one of my commanders, he was my commander. And he said, um, you know, Reese, we're about to bloody go into Afghanistan. What type of training do you reckon we should do? And I said to him straight up, you know, I said, let's go to Tully. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the look on his face was like, what? And we what did. What the fuck are we going to Tully? You know, and we did. Yeah. So so there's a lot of things there that can be learnt, you know, and, and even though um, it's not a desert, it's the fundamentals that you learn. Would you rather fight? Transfer. Would you rather fight in jungle or in urban? Oh, look, I'd have to go urban, mate. Yeah, I'd, mate. The jungle is. You've got to. So we used to do this thing in the jungle. As soon as you get in there, it's called tuning in, right? Yeah. So you sit there, and it may be for five minutes, maybe for ten minutes. But what you're doing is you're listening to the environment. And See, that's why I'd rather. I mean, even with all the experience from CT over the years, yeah. I'd rather fight in the jungle because it just feels like home because it was the, it was those first few years for me of learning how to soldier and I feel more comfortable in it. Yeah, right. I Look, I feel comfortable in it, but it's an environment that you've got to live in continuously. Yeah, but that's my point, Reese. Yeah, is yeah, if, you're, right. if, you're in, if you're in urban, well, it's a level playing field because it's not affecting you the same way as jungle yeah. is. And if, if you're... You've got to be on your game. You've got yeah, to be on your A game. If you're killing it in the jungle from a personal battle perspective, then the enemy's degrading. Yeah. You know, and this is what they found in Vietnam, right? Is that our, our guys in Vietnam really did learn how to live in there, how to, how to live in that jungle, and they made it their own. Yeah, and they were on par with the VC. The only difference was that the, the insurgency was able to meld back into the population. Yeah. You know, whereas... If if we can keep if we can, I spent a lot of time. Oh well, yeah, spent, spent a fair bit of time in jungles over the years, and you know from you know Roth Company, Butterworth in Malaysia, where we spent an extended time in the in the jungle. I mean, I know a lot of trips did. Some of the parts of uh, some of the parts of um, Timor were bloody yeah. lantana, you know, as thick as jungle. Brunei, uh, East Timor. You know, so all those all those um, environments and the jungle is the environment that will either make you or break you, I suppose. Yeah, agreed. All right, so Tully, I think it's uh, I think it's an awesome training facility. I think the guys that were there back in the day were brilliant, you know, and I'm sure that the infantry battalions are still getting a lot of great training out I of it. And for young leaders, you know, just relish, relish the opportunity and understand that everyone's fighting their own little war. Get you guys to be really proficient at that little war. And the rest of it will make sense, and you will relish it. Yep, and that's where I learnt about the one percenters, you know, because if you have enough one percenters, they equal a hundred percent. So that. all those things that, you know, that um, you know, putting your socks in individual dry bags, um, placing your gear in your pack where it's easy to grab, you know, separating your sleeping bag from the remainder of your clothes. Um, Taking your clothes off and, and hanging them up wet and then yeah. getting back in a wet clothes. Or, or even, you know, putting them in your sleeping bag so your body heat gives them a little bit or, or dries them slightly. Mm. 
um, all those little things, putting a bit of hoochie cord off the end of your hoochie so when it rains and putting a water bottle at the end of that hoochie cord so when it rains the water runs into the water bottle and you've got resupply. Yep. You are hanging on too tight. That's um, all those little things. And I mean, how long it takes as well as a, as a scout just to open a can of food, you know, <laughs> so you don't make any noise. Yep. I'm sure they're still doing that. Yeah, they are, you know. Let's go get some breakfast. Bash, there used to be the bash burn berry, but we never buried anything. We carried it in, we carried it out. Yeah, 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 it's true. All right, man, thanks for once again putting some common sense back into this idiocy. <laughs> Let's go and eat. Good days, good times, out. Just when you thought you didn't need another jacket, along comes the Kill Capture Pathfinder jacket. I could bore you with all of the Spec Ops design features, but what you really want to know are the benefits of owning this piece of tough luxury. Well, you'll walk into any room and immediately dominate it. If you're wearing it for business casual, you'll close the deal. Wearing it to a sporting event, and your team's gonna win. It's light, so you can pack more things in your grab bag, and it's tougher than you are too, which let's face it, that's pretty cool, because not much else is. It comes in a military-grade Pelican case and has a tracking beacon included, because your nemesis is gonna try and take it from you and you wanna monitor that. It's a jacket of choice for Mad Dog Mattis, the actor, Dan McPherson, Nick Warner, the former head of ASUS, and I've got one too. Go to the site www.killcapture.com and use the coupon code Team Australia, all capitals. You'll love the after-sale service, the quality and the styling of this limited edition special operator jacket. I wear mine with jeans and a t-shirt for the weekend rides in my Norton Commando. Occasionally, with a dress shirt, pants, when I go to tequila bars. I'll be wearing it to this year's book launch too. Pick yourself one up today. That's www.killcapture.com. That's capture with a K. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.